the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody, to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. We're here every day from 3 to 5. And it's always good to be with you. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Later today, President Trump will be giving a speech. Most people think that he will be announcing his run for office. I'm not really sure, and uh, but we'll – I'm pretty sure, but we'll see what he has to say. Meanwhile, uh, Governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, was asked about the – uh, criticisms he's been getting from President Trump recently, and this was DeSantis's response. Well, you know, one of the things I've learned, like learned in this job, is um, uh, when you're do when you're leading, when you're getting getting things done, yeah, you take incoming fire. That's just the nature of it. Uh, I roll out of bed in the morning. I've got corporate media outlets that have a spasm just the fact that I'm getting up in the morning, and it's constantly attacking. And this is just what's happened. I don't think any governor got attacked more, particularly by corporate media, than me over my four-year term. And yet, I think what you, what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is, are you leading? Are you getting in front of issues? Uh, are you delivering results for people? And are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. Well, that was uh, Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, and he didn't respond directly to uh, President Trump, but he kind of did. And uh, that's his response, and we'll kind of see how it goes. But one of the things that he said in there that I think I really liked is the idea of filtering out the noise. You can apply that to all kinds of things. You know, I don't know how you – I mean, I I, I kind of know how, but you, you deal with noise in your life. I'm not – what I was about to say is I'm not sure – you know how some people in the public life who have so much criticism thrown toward them, how they make it through. There's been a, a conversation that is a necessary one, I think, right now about the quality of candidates. Um, Republicans and Democrats are both having that conversation. Republicans more, I think, because they thought they were going to win a lot more in this election. But both sides are having that, you know, that conversation. And, you know, there is so much criticism out there for people who run for office and a lot of it is, you know, good criticism. Some of it is just very, very petty, you know, and a lot of people, I think good people don't run because you're going to drag your family through it. They're going to bring up stuff that you did in high school. I was, I think it was on the Onion or the Babylon Bee or one of those satire newspapers. It said that everybody in the future is ineligible to run for public office because of something they posted on their Facebook recently that will be dug up 50 years from now. Because everything you do digitally, it's just out there. I thought that was pretty funny and maybe true, but what it does is it keeps us out of it. Let me ask you this. How do you filter out the noise in your life? How do we, how do you personally filter out the noise and stay focused on your Christian faith? And how do you 
stay focused, you know, maybe as the church, how do we keep the noise out? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. I think that, you know, one of the things, it's funny, I'm, I'm taking his little statement here, making a little sermon out of it, but but that's what I do. And, um, I, you know, I think we can think critically about things that people say. As believers, I think we're going to be taking more and more hits. I think that Jesus predicted that people will hate you because of me. I think that things are, are headed in that direction. And, you know, do, do we as believers just want to crawl up in a little uh, pew and uh, stay hidden from the world? How many of us are doing that? The studies are very significant about the next generation staying away from church. The studies are significant about this generation not going to church even since the pandemic, and the church not having a very big impact throughout the world. Are we able to take incoming hits on a regular basis for the sake of Christ? How do you do that in your life? Maybe you take some hits from other things. And some of you have, um, you feel like you're dealing with politics at work, or you feel like you're dealing with, and I mean like internal politics in your business. I think um, maybe in your family, you feel like you're taking lots of hits. What do you think about this? 888-528-2557. I think that filtering out the noise is a skill that each one of us has. that we need to have to stay focused on Christ, to stay focused on the calling we have. I think the church has to figure out how to do this better. Over time, throughout the centuries, the church has done really well. And I want to emphasize that. When we we talk about the church and maybe the shortcomings of the church, uh, there's a couple things I want to keep in mind is, number one, what we're really talking about is how to get better. Um, The church over 2,000 years, in spite of all of our failings, has done pretty well. We've gone from about 1 in 12 million people, believers, at the the time of Pentecost in the planet to about 1 in uh, 12 people today. Uh, See, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church. 888-528-2557. So Ron DeSantis talks about taking incoming hits, and uh, President Trump the other day called him uh, Ron DeSanctimonious. That was his nickname. Do you have a nickname for somebody, or does somebody call you a nickname that, like, hurts you? When I was, uh, I don't know if it's going to work this time for uh, former President Trump to hand out the nicknames like he did, but it sure worked the first time, didn't it? I mean, if you followed that campaign, he had a nickname for everybody, and pretty much as soon as he said it, they were done. Whenever he looked at Jeb Bush and said, uh, you're low energy, Jeb, and he became low energy, Jeb Bush. That was the end of it. Um, Peggy Noonan in the Washington Post after that wrote that Jeb Bush stood there looking like a bespectacled man wondering what's for dinner. Like it just ended his campaign. Marco Rubio, little Marco, and he was out. Uh, Lion Ted, well, Ted stayed around for a while. Uh, Ron DeSanctimonious, I, I laughed at that, but... Uh, but I don't, I don't know that it's going to work. And in fact, I think if, if it's not going to work, you've got to be able to stand up to that. And I think as we, we look at this, and of course it's political, and we don't know for sure all the stuff that uh, Trump's going to say tonight. I kind of hope that what Trump says tonight is he's not going to say this. But I, what if he says, he says, you know, the Constitution says that you can only be elected to the office of president twice. And because I was elected in 2016 and 2020, I'm not eligible to run and then he endorses DeSantis or somebody and walks off. That would be hilarious. Uh, he's not going to do that, but uh, I can imagine uh, that he does this. 
as as you 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 watch this and you watch the toughness that people need to have out there. Also, how do we respond gracefully without just calling a name back? You know, people tried to do that with Trump. It never worked uh, in his previous campaign to come up with some nickname for him or something else. It didn't work for any of them. Uh, there's there's a lesson in here, I think, for all of us. What do you think? 888-528-2557. Brian and Glendora, welcome to Southern California Live. Brian, go ahead. All right, Brian. Oh, Brian's gone. Uh, David in Culver City, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, hi. Hey, David. Um, How you doing today? Hi. I'm doing well. You know, I have a, a few comments, very simple. I'll try to keep it brief. Number one, you asked about a filter. How do we filter the noise out? Yeah. I think it's by having standards, ethical standards. For instance, you know, while I don't agree with the politics of... Um, of uh, Pence or uh, Mitt Romney, I think they're, I would have, I could vote for them. I could see considering them as candidates. Because they're standing up for um, what they think is right. I think they, not only standing up, I think their behavior, they do behave and their behavior is doing what is right. I think this has been a real black mark against quote, evangelical Christians, end quote, that they supported Trump in larger percentage than virtually anybody else and any other demographic. I think that that's a lot to answer for. So, you know, I think the ethical standards are important. And, and I've heard the explanation that we're not, you know, we're not electing the preacher and we're not electing a pastor. I still think we need standards for our uh, politicians. I really do. So, you know, I, I think that's very important. We, I think that's just as important as their party and their party and affiliate. You feel like in really like, a, like a personal life, having a, having a foundation somewhere or standards, a place that you're not going to go, that'll help you filter out the noise? Absolutely. I don't, I don't have any problem with that. I think that's a very reasonable standard for filtering out noise. Uh, you know, I, DeSantis, I think DeSantis is a, I don't agree with a lot of things he's done, but I think he's a decent person. Hmm. All right. So in, uh, you know, what do you, uh, well, I don't know. I think I'll leave it there, David, for, for now. I appreciate well, let, let me get, can I say one, can okay, I say one, one, other, one thing? other thing, David? Just one other quick comment. You know, Trump, was never popular. He's the only president in history that never got above 50% for the Gallup poll. He lost for the, I'm a Republican. He lost for us in 2018, 2020, 2022. I mean, he's been a disaster for the Republican party. Well, he won in 2016. He didn't get uh, the popular vote, but. uh, Well, exactly. But after that, he was the most unpopular president in history. No president in modern times has not gotten above 50 percent in the Gallup poll. Do you think he has a chance? Do you think he has a chance to win again? Never. Never. No chance. (laughs) All right, David. I appreciate your call very much. 888-528-2557. How do you filter out the noise is uh, the big question. And uh, you can talk about the uh, fact that Trump is going to give a speech tonight and probably run again. I, I personally don't think he will win, but I, I feel like the thing with Trump is that everybody who's ever counted him out, uh, he still hangs in there uh, one way or another. Um, but the big thing I'm looking at is I wonder if he was going to be as successful as he was before at sort of labeling people uh, as something um, with the, the nicknames and that kind of thing. 
And in your life, there's probably somebody who doesn't like you. All right. Maybe, maybe I don't want to make you paranoid. Maybe there's a nickname for you at work that, uh, <laughs> that you don't know about, but when you're not in the room, that's what they say. Uh, there's probably one for me. It's, you know, as, a, and I'll tell you what, since, uh, whenever I'm, whenever you're the boss, there's definitely nicknames for you, uh, somewhere. Um, whenever you leave the room, uh, that's part of it. You have to learn to deal with that. But I think as, as believers, we have a, a little world that we live in, our, our oikos, we call it, okay, your relational world, the people in your life. And they're not guaranteed to like you. You're not even guaranteed to like them. But you are called to love them. And you are called to, as David said, hold on to the standards of the gospel in this case. And uh, how do you respond to that? How do you filter out the noise and the distractions and help you be focused on doing what God has called you to do. 888-528-2557 is the number. Daniel in Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Daniel, go ahead. Yes, I'm calling in the earlier conversation I was hearing on the radio, we were talking about the churches are getting uh, less young people in the church. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. And, yeah, and I heard that very much. And uh, as an adult, uh, I do go to a church. I go to a Calvary, Calvary church. And we try to get young people in. But my idea, I'm not the pastor, but my idea for the outreach, you know, when I try to speak to them is I try to get them the best I could, but I'm not going to force them. Well, sure. What do you think you need to do to get the younger people into church? I wouldn't use food. I would like tournaments, probably tournaments, horseshoes, something challenging, because young people like to challenge. Horseshoes. Horseshoes. I love horseshoes. All right. (laughs) The great horseshoe. You know what? There might be a bunch of uh, Gen Z people out there who are dying to play horseshoes. Well, I think that's. That would be a good idea. Just, just no basketballs and other. You know what? You can joke. We can, we can joke about that. But the 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 fact is, is that doing something relational, when you just said basketball, is actually a great way to reach people. And horseshoes yeah. is very relational. You got to talk and you got to have conversations about. Uh, well, you almost made it. And it only counts in horseshoes. It sure does. Yeah. Hey. When we go into the next one, we can't say almost made it. We got to feel confident that we've made it. We got to we got to make it. That's why I try to pull people in, try to talk to them about drugs and alcohol, what it's doing to you, and uh, try to get them to see the other side. Hey, stop being hateful. Daniel, uh, can I ask you a personal question? How old are you? I'm sixty-three. All right, you're 63. Let me tell you something. And for everybody else out there, thanks for calling, Daniel. I appreciate it. I think you're, you're on to something here with the Horseshoe uh, Ministry and, and Outreach. Um, young people, and this is true, I think, of any generation, they really do want to have a relationship with you. You've got something to share with people. You're 63 years old. You've got stuff that you can share. See, and this is something I think that matters for, that is is part of the noise, right? Um when I when I asked him, you know, what do you want to do to bring the young people in? Sometimes churches put on a big show. I'm not against the show for the show's sake. But the thing that actually brings people to Christ ultimately, now listen, this this matters, is the relationships 
with other believers who share their life, and that's you and me. That the command to make disciples isn't just for the pastor, and it certainly wasn't that we go out and and create a uh, corporation entity as a person and call it God's house, and uh, and and just live that way. Meaning that the responsibility to share the gospel is the nonprofit corporation, and we call it the uh, whatever church of whatever, and uh, the pastor and the elders, it's their job. The rest of us can give money and show up and uh, and do stuff, but it's really up to them. And, you know, it's, it's an odd thing that we call the—I don't know if we do this anymore. It's, it's uh, God's house. Um, but God's house is you. See, if, you, if you're a believer, the Spirit of God's living in you. And wherever you go, the people around you are at church. That's how it's meant to be. And one of the ways you filter out the noise, I think, is that you remember that, that the goal, Jesus did not say, let's invite everybody to our buildings. If we can get as many people inside our buildings as possible, then that's the Great Commission. That isn't what he said. Uh, and you can leverage the buildings. You can leverage what you've got as property. You can leverage the nonprofit corporation. You can do all that different stuff. When I say nonprofit, that's because that's what your church is. You know, in a legal sense, you know, somewhere there's your corporation. And um, but the purpose of the church, the actual church is not the address or the building and it's not the pastor or the, you know, the leadership. It's you and the people that God has placed in your relational world. They're at church when they're with you. That's that's a big part of why the noise filtering out the noise matters. You know, when we look at the politics and we think about, we were talking about, you're listening to Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow. We were talking about the uh, Trump announcement that'll be earlier today or later today. That will be early. It'll be after the show at some point. Most people think he's going to announce he's running for, for president again. Um, the response of uh, Ron DeSantis, which I'll play that again a little bit later, because there's a couple of points in there, I think, that that he makes that he's talking about politics. But we can talk about it from the standpoint of any situation you're in. How do we filter out the noise in our life that takes us away? I think some of the noise is that we think that maybe God can't use us. And so Daniel, when he said horseshoes, and we kind of laughed, you know, how do you bring, I said, how do you bring young people in the church? And he said, well, you know, maybe horseshoes. <laughs> and uh, you're playing a game of horseshoes, and it kind of made me chuckle. But then I thought, you know, when you're playing horseshoes, you know what horseshoes is? Do I, I, I'm wondering, Jared, do you know what horseshoes are? You know, Wilbert, do you know what I'm asking? Uh, you know what horseshoes is, the game? You ever play it? All right. Just want to make sure. So it's like a, lit- a literal horseshoe, and you, you toss it, and there's a pole sticking up, and you want to wrap that thing around the pole. And it feels really good to throw a real horseshoe against the iron pole that's in the ground, and it kind of spins around, and you get three points. And you get another point if it's leaning against it, and you get another point if it's like the open end facing, and I forget all the rules. It's actually pretty fun. It's like an ancient version of what's the one where you throw the ball in the, the beanbag in the holes? What's that game? Cornhole, right? It's the original cornhole. They did it with horseshoes. You still do it. And um, the thing is about that game that's really great is that you play it with other people and you have conversations, right? And that is such a huge thing. So actually, you know what? Somewhere out there, there is a horseshoe ministry. And to get back to this point here from Daniel, I think that young people today would benefit a lot from those conversations and that your church does better and you filter out the noise when a person like Daniel can just share his life. Hey, this is what I've learned at 63 years old. 
And young people today, they're, they're sold a bill of goods a lot in uh, the college years about what life is about. And there is a statistic I read a while ago that said that the average young person today changes their entire career four times before they're 30. And part of that is because they, they decided, well, I want to be a lawyer because they watched Law & Order on TV or something and uh, you know thought it was all going to be glorious work in the uh, courtroom and then found out later you're hardly ever in the courtroom. And uh, you're, you're, you're stacked with all kinds of paperwork and reading and billable hours and pressure and uh, chasing ambulances because you got $200,000 of student loans and it's no fun. You know, or you go down one career path or another. People are – or you think you can afford to buy a house, other stuff. You can't. It takes time. It takes a lot of time. You have a lot that you can share just about life but also about how Jesus got you through the hard times, how you kept your faith, how you understand the grace of God how you understand how important it is to repent because you maybe you went through a period of time in your life when you were rebellious. It's unbelievable how much that really matters. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join our conversation when we get back, uh, we will take your calls, and I see you on hold on there. And also I want to share with you a note that came out from Focus on the Family, something that uh, you should know about and uh, participate in, and then we'll continue to ask the question, how do you filter out the noise? I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition of Southern California Live continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, and let's go. We were talking about how to filter out the noise. Let's go to Wayne in Fountain Valley. Wayne, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm fine, Wayne. How are you today? I'm very good. I heard you talking, and I figured I could... uh mention what I've been through and how I've turned off the noise pretty much my whole entire life. Um, I'm 26 years of age. I uh, pretty much only indulge in Bible study, a little bit of TV, no politics, never. You keep Um, the politics out. I've voted a couple times, and I think my opinion matters Mm -hmm. as uh, as a citizen, you know, as a young man. And um, it's just, it's, it's interesting uh, what, what they think about my generation, you know? Um, I'm just a lover, you know what I mean? Yeah, what is it that they think? What would you say is uh, right and wrong about, uh, you said you're what, 26? Yes, sir. So what, is that, what generation would that make you? Are you Y or Z? Yes, sir, Z. You're Z. Okay, so you're the older end maybe of, of Generation Z. Which I hope yes, doesn't sir. mean you're the last one. Maybe it does. Maybe the, and God, in His sense of humor, you know, we have generations X, Y, and Z. Well, Z, we're done. Uh, right. So, what is it? What do people you think have right and wrong about your generation? I think what people have wrong is um, it's issue of segregation. You know, of community as a people. I think that people my age need to stick together and focus on bettering all of our lives for the future. The youngest member of uh, Congress of Generation Z just was voted in, 25 years old. Good for him. He's the first one, though, right? Hmm. Hopefully, a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yes, to answer the other, I believe that the good in what we're doing is, I guess, trying to help uh, war efforts. You know what I mean? You mean with uh, uh, the Ukraine thing, or uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I would agree that it's cool to help, you know, our neighbors. Okay. What, um, let me ask you this. I think that um, when people think of your generation, I've been watching some things because of the election that just happened and some different opinions. There are different, there are different opinions about whether or not your generation is the reason that the uh, Democrats prevented the Republican wave. Um, and it's probably in some states, a lot of Generation Z came out and voted in favor of uh, the abortion things that were on the ballot or other stuff that swayed the election. In some states, it didn't seem to matter. Um, you know, as far as Christians, and uh, you said that you're in the Bible regularly? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, you, you stay out of the politics mostly that you, you vote and you, you obviously you're connected enough to know that somebody from Gen Z is now in the Congress. Um, Absolutely, you know, yes, sir. What is what would you say from the standpoint of the church is the strength of Generation Z, and what's the weakness that we should be aware of? Oh, that's amazing! I love that. I think that the I'll start with the weakness because it's just so overbearing. It's in our face. The weakness is that I, I you know, I'm going to relate it back to what I said earlier. We as a generation, our young blood, we're failing. You know, we we want everyone to be divided. We want people to just do what they're going to do and not look at people don't, you know, crossing on the street. Don't look at me. You know what I mean? They don't want to be looked at. So in, in terms of in the political side from the church, how would you feel if I brought a friend from an uh, outsider into the family, into the church, and he didn't want anything to do with it just because of what the Bible has to teach abortion. You know, that's, that's really sad. Mm, okay. Um, the, the good though, I think the good in what we're doing, it's kind of hard to answer that. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. <laughs> well, and I think that's a big question, right? Is The, the thing is, and uh, Wayne, I do appreciate your call. Thank you for calling in today. Thank you, sir. Um, I think that, you know, for every generation, there's a time when you're going to lead, right? There's a time when you're 26 and uh, you're going to be 46 and 56 and your generation is going to be in charge. What is it that you're going to bring to the table? What kinds of things have you learned? And, you know, we see characteristics of generations, right? And right now we're seeing the boomer generation and the millennial generation, you know, arguing about things going back and forth. And in between that is Generation X. That's where I sit. And, and you know, the, the rap on Generation X is that we're apathetic, right? So we're just watching the tennis game and the name calling back and forth and we just go on with our lives. Uh, Generation Z, I think, is going to have to uh, pick up the pieces. And I think that they will be successful if they're able to filter out the noise, and in particular in the church. Here's the, here's the thing about the church and the younger generations, is it's true that fewer people in the younger generations acknowledge or say that they're Christian or even religious at all. Uh, that number is getting pretty low. But the ones who are in the church, the Generation Z, very often who is going to church, are actually very devout, maybe more than the generations that are ahead of them. And that's some pretty good news there. But I think that they need us, uh, who are older, to get involved, to play some horseshoes, as we were talking about in the last segment, and, and disciple. And that is a big piece. How do you filter out the noise so that you can disciple and disciple about Jesus. We're talking about the the politics here. You know, I think that there are things related to policy that matter. That's why we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about something in a minute. It matters for the church to be understanding. But then there's a next step, 
In fact, I'll, I'll tell you what this is. It's something that is just happening very quickly. Congress has something called the lame duck session. Okay, that's the session after the election and before the new Congress is sworn in uh, on January 3rd. And in this case, it matters a lot because Congress is going to change hands, right? That the Republicans will have the House by one or two seats, uh, probably. And uh, the Senate will essentially be the same, one or two, maybe one seat um, more. But really, it was just one vote anyway with um, uh, the vice president being able to break the tie. It's a little different because uh, this time if uh, Governor, uh, Governor Senator Manchin decides to vote with the Republicans, uh, the Democrats can still win without him you know, because there'll be one vote ahead potentially. Um, but otherwise, it's the same. The lame duck session is you try to get a bunch of stuff done before that new Congress. So something that's come up that will be voted on today or tomorrow is called the Respect for Marriage Act. I heard this this morning. I heard uh, Senator Schumer say something about it, and I wasn't quite sure. What it is is it is something that is about codifying gay marriage essentially in the Congress with the, the threat that, well, maybe the the Obergefell decision, which was the gay marriage decision, might get overturned at some point by the Supreme Court. Uh, then it will become the law of the land. So basically that's what they're going to do, and they're going to pa- – it'll probably pass, I think. Uh, there's probably some Republicans for it. It needs 60 votes to to avoid the filibuster in the Senate. It might have that. The studies show that people's opinion on that, including Republican opinion, is that uh, um, gay marriage is okay. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. But what um, Jim Daly from Focus on the Family sent out an email encouraging you to call your senators. So I would encourage you to uh, call your, your California or wherever you're listening to uh, United States senators and uh, say vote no on it. See what they do. Um, what it's going to do, though, that's maybe, you know, what some people are interpreting this to ultimately do, whether or not Congress passes this, it might be just part partly because it's the law of the land is that by changing what marriage is, that it could actually jeopardize the tax-exempt status of nonprofits or churches that exercise their belief that marriage is between a man and a woman, that if the government moves to a place, and there'll be a huge fight about this, okay, if this were ever to happen, but that if the government moves to a place where it wants to force churches to marry people who they otherwise wouldn't marry, there's other reasons maybe that uh, you shouldn't get married, um, you know, I always reserve the right as pastor to do it yes or no, and for lots of reasons, maybe I wouldn't marry you, uh, but we wouldn't do same-sex marriages. Uh, if the government forces you to do that or you lose your, your nonprofit status, I mean, the thing is, is if your church loses its nonprofit status and you got to pay property tax and other things, you're probably out of business as far as the corporation goes. And, you know, there's a great fear about that. So that's why they're they're saying go ahead and call your congressman. Maybe we'll get some more information on that t- tomorrow's show. But for the sake of our conversation here, let's assume that happened to you. And let's assume that one day churches don't have, for whatever reason, nonprofit status. It, that's, that's a complicated issue. It's a big deal because if, if you take that away, then you're also giving churches the legal ability to get political. Okay, so there are, there are secular reasons to not remove that. But uh, I actually think that might happen because one day, I, you know, I think that most churches would not be able to maintain their property. Or what's going to happen is if, you know, if you have a $150,000 tax bill now for your church, you know, people are going to say, do we really want to give our offerings to the government, which is essentially right. And so you'd find another way. Um, the church is not going to be hindered by that in the same way that, yes, it was, a, it was not a good thing, I think, that churches got shut down in the covid 
you know, I think most people thought initially, okay, we'll shut down for a little while. But eventually you saw that, hey, this was this was not a good thing. It took some churches a long time to get going, and lots of people today would say, well, maybe, you know, we shouldn't have shut down the churches. The, and there's a great argument to have about that in discussion. But the thing is that we should keep in mind is that the churches, the church, Jesus' church was never shut down. Because once again, the church is you. It's not the building. It's not the nonprofit. And if something were to happen and it's just illegal to have churches everywhere, you know what? The church thrives in some places where the church is illegal most of the time. We can't let that bother us. This is, this is the noise that we started to talk about earlier this hour, the noise that gets in the way so often of us making disciples, that the church can spend an awful lot of time worried about governmental things. And it, it matters. We need to, I'm not saying don't be a part of that. Definitely call your congressperson and do all of that. But we can't look at it as something like, well, gosh, if we lose all of these these rights that the church is in jeopardy. No, the church might even thrive. That the gates of hell are not going to prevail over the work of the church. That's because you're the church. I think this matters a lot. I think that one of the ways to make sure that you can filter out the noise in your life is to recognize that the church isn't the place you go sit down on Sundays and listen to a sermon for an hour. That the church is you playing horseshoes with your grandkids, or you sitting down and uh, playing a game with your with your grandkids. My, we were at my uh, my parents' house this weekend with my kids. We played a game called Telestrations. You ever play this game? And uh, it's like a uh, Pictionary, but everyone draws a picture and you hand it around, and it's like the telephone game, right? You start out with something; it might be computer, and you try to draw one. The next person guesses what it is, and then the next person get draws whatever you guessed. And sometimes it gets way off. And the game's hilarious. And the best part of the game is uh, the way my dad plays it, because his way of thinking is just different. So he he drew the word Chicago, and what he drew was a couple of guys shooting at each other. He didn't draw a skyline or the Sears Tower. It's what I would anything like that. And so nobody got it right. I'm like, what is this, Dad? Oh, it's Chicago. That was it. That's what went through. See, we we laughed our head off. The best part was my 13 year old son in a ball on the floor, cracking up. But he got to learn something about his grandpa. We got to have a conversation about the violence in our cities. I mean, it's an interesting thing. I got to take a break. I could go down that road, but. We're taking calls on how do you get rid of the noise and filter out the noise in your life, the things that might distract you from your faith and what God has called you to do. 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. And yet, I think what you, what you learn is all that's just noise. And really what matters is are you leading, are you getting in front of issues, uh, are you delivering results for people, and are you standing up for folks? And if you do that, then none of that stuff matters. And, and that's what we've done. We focused on results and leadership. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Uh, I would just uh, tell people to go check out the scoreboard from last Tuesday night. That was Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis, responding to a question uh, about Donald Trump's 
uh, criticisms of him or jabs at him, I guess, politically speaking. And uh, we've been talking about that a little bit today, uh, not necessarily the politics of it. Maybe we'll get to that tomorrow because Donald Trump's going to give a speech tonight. and We'll see. Uh, he'll probably announce he's running and we'll get your thoughts about that. But, you know, when we when I listened to him and he said this, it got my mind thinking about ways to filter out the noise. And so we've been talking about that from the standpoint of of our faith. And I think one of those things is when you go down his little outline here where you lead and uh, you you make sure that you're taking care of the people that, uh, in his case, his constituents is what he would say. And then you take a look at the scoreboard. In his case, the scoreboard is, you know, he won by 20 points and the people of Florida feel like he's doing a good job as governor. Okay. If you were to take that and sort of look at it from your faith and ask this, and you're thinking about the noise, there is so much noise in our faith. There is so much that we get involved with, I think, as believers, that whenever we go stand before Jesus and he points to the scoreboard, gosh, it scares me what may or may not be up there. How many zeros are up there? Have you ever thought about that? Like, have you ever thought, okay, whenever um, I'm standing before Jesus and he looks at my life, I think this matters. You know, what's on the scoreboard? What is it that he cares about? What is it that uh, he's looking at for each one of our lives? Uh, One of the things we know is that he's going to point out uh, what you did for the least of these. You know what? That's what that's one of the things we know for sure he's going to ask us about. That's huge, isn't it? Uh, That's a that's a really big deal. I think he's going to look at um, people that you shared the reason for the hope that you have. You know, the scriptures tell us that we should be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. And that reason Everybody, regardless of what you're you're passionate about in the world today, in different things, and I'm passionate about things and things I'd like to see differently, at the end of the day, the reason for the hope you have, hopefully it's not a political candidate. Hopefully it's not a political party or a policy or a sports team winning or whatever it is that might have driven you. Hopefully the reason for the hope you have that your life not just in your words, but in the way people see your life and to see what your life is reflected as, is Jesus Christ. That I'm not perfect, but Jesus lived a perfect life and I get credit for it by faith. And the different things in my life that I've tried to do, hopefully people see that. We're talking about the uh, marriage problems and what happens if, um, if marriage becomes something that the state controls fully and demands that your church uh, does marriage uh, in ways that are unbiblical. Well, you know, one of the things that you do is you make sure that your marriage is biblical and that it reflects Christ, that you and your spouse work hard, and it is hard work. It's hard work for me. It's hard work for everybody. It's extra hard work for my wife. It is hard work for us. But when we're pointed toward Christ, when we're both actually running towards Christ first and not each other, what we find that happens is, as Christy and I are heading towards Christ, and I see this in other couples, you head towards Christ as best you can, and what happens is you get the closer you get to Christ, the closer you also get to each other. And that's something that's very visible to other people. And that's something that's on the scoreboard. It really is. 888-528-2557. Ron from Coronado, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, Scott, a big I love you. Your show is outstanding. You're getting the word out there. Thank you, Ron. How is it in Coronado out there? I'm, my wife lived in Coronado before uh, before we got married. In fact, I got engaged in Coronado. Well, I'm very happy for you and your wife. Um, I got married in Coronado, 
All right. And, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lovely community. It really is. And a lot of wonderful people. It uh, is. Churches. Yeah. All right. So how do you I, get rid of filter out the noise? Well, I do it scripturally, and I obey James chapter 1, verse 5. And it uh, says, if any of you lack wisdom, pray. Mm. And, uh, and the God will, uh, will give it to you without finding any fault in you. And I have found over the years that I've prayed and I've asked for wisdom. And the Lord has blessed me so greatly because when, this, when the falsehoods start coming in, I see it coming before the end of the sentence. Hmm. And I attribute that to the Lord and answer prayer. Yeah. So, so I would encourage everyone to pray that verse, ask for wisdom, be specific, ask for godly wisdom. And you're uh, going to receive it. And in doing so, uh, you also want to put on the full armor of God because uh, when you can speak the truth in love, you're still going to take a few arrows yeah. uh, from the enemy. So that's, I think that's I think that's a great word, Ron. The you know what we need in life is wisdom. That's how you filter out the noise. That's how you know what is just noise and then what is actually important. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and you know the truth. When you hear the truth, it, it's it's freeing. It's a great insight and understanding. And if you're not asking for wisdom, you'll never really capture what's true or false. Because you lack the wisdom. Yeah. So ask for godly wisdom, and it's a great, great filter. All right. Great word, Ron. Thank you very much for calling and for listening to Southern California Live. You know, wisdom is the theme all the way through the Scriptures. If you're trying to filter out the noise, and this is a great passage because there's a promise in this passage. And if any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, James 1.5. You should ask God. Here's what it says. Listen. Who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But, and here's a condition, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Okay, such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. You know, the the thing is about this that I think really is is something great, is I think when you really sincerely ask God for wisdom, and if you're listening and you're not a believer, okay, you don't believe in God, but but you're, or maybe you're agnostic, you kind of believe in, okay, I need wisdom in my life. You know what? Ask God for wisdom. I'll tell you something. That thing that you hear right away, the wise decision usually becomes fairly obvious very quickly. The problem of unbelief is that you immediately doubt that thing. Or you're in a situation where, as you're blown and tossed by the wind, you're not really asking for wisdom um, because you're double-minded and you really want to do the unwise thing, and you're looking for some kind of you know godly uh, you know confirmation. There's an old uh, Simpsons episode. I should get the audio for this sometime, Wilbert, because it makes me laugh. And Homer Simpson, you're watching this cartoon, okay, The Simpsons, and uh, Homer Simpson is saying a prayer, and his prayer is this: He prays. I forget what he wants. He wants he wants to do something. And he his prayer is, Dear God, if you want me to do this thing, then give me absolutely no sign at all. Okay, since I have not received any sign, then I believe you want me to do this thing. And it's hilarious, right? And he gets up and I wonder how much, you know, I wonder how many of us pray like that in a way. The Simpsons writers, by the way, have been to church. 
Uh, and if you ever watch that program, for sure they've been to church. I don't know that they're Christians, not saying that, but uh, they definitely have been to church enough to know certain things that uh, Christians kind of do. And uh, do you have that clip? Go ahead and play it. Here's the deal. You freeze everything as it is, and I won't ask for anything more. If that is okay, please give me absolutely no sign. Okay, deal. In gratitude, I present you this offering of cookies and milk. If you want me to eat them for you, give me no sign. That will be done. <laughs> See, that is not asking in wisdom. That is the uh, double-minded person, okay? You're not getting, you have an agenda. There's something else going on. But if you're in life and you have a bunch of noise going on and you need to filter it out and you need to get to a place where you need wisdom, the scriptures tell you that God is going to give that wisdom to you generously without finding fault, meaning that you don't have the excuse of saying, I am buried in sin and I'm away from the Lord and I am unworthy or whatever it is you want to say. The scriptures say, hey, don't worry about that right now. If you want wisdom, you should ask God to give generously without finding fault. But you got to believe that God's going to give you that. That way, when you hear the wisdom, you're going to accept it as wisdom from God. I think that most of our, a lot of our problems, and some of them are very complex, that next step the step that you need to take um, is is not that far away. Maybe God's going to tell you to go talk to somebody who's going to tell you that step of wisdom. Maybe it's going to pop into your head. You know, so many times when I've prayed that, gosh, you know, it becomes very clear. And the struggle is sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes there's really something else I want. But God answered his word. He answered the prayer. I know what's wisdom and I need to go do it. You've got that too. You know, with my friends, whatever noise is in your life, uh, think about that scoreboard and what the Lord would have you do. And when you're focused on that, ask God for wisdom. I think that's a great way to, to filter out the noise and to do what he wants you to do, to lead the people that he's called you to lead, to serve the people. That's what leadership is scripturally, is serving people, to serve the people that God has placed in your life and to to care about the poor and the oppressed. Keep yourself from being polluted by the world, James will also say. You follow Jesus, you focus on him, and that'll help you filter out the noise. We're done for today. Thanks for listening to Southern California Live. We'll be back tomorrow from 3 to 5. God bless you. I'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.